Well, good evening. It's good to see each one of you back for the evening service. Let's stand together. Turn to page 530, please. The song Joy Unspeakable. We'll sing all verses as we begin tonight. Page number 530. I have found His grace is all complete. He supplieth every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am free, yes, free indeed. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, the half has never yet been told. I have found the pleasure I once craved. It is joy and peace within. What a wondrous blessing. I am saved from the awful gulf of sin. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. All the hap has never yet been told. I have found that hope so bright and clear living in the realm of grace oh the savior's presence is so near i can see his smiling face it is joy unspeakable and full of glory full of glory full of glory it is joy unspeakable and full of glory oh the half has never yet been told i have found the joy no tongue can tell how its waves of glory roll it is like a great or flowing well springing up within my soul it is joy unspeakable and full of glory full of glory full of glory it is joy unspeakable and full of glory oh the half has never yet been told amen preacher uh, tonight i was just sitting over here thinking i've been saved for 20 something years and and i've sang that song ever since i got saved and i still can't figure out how to breathe through the chorus I always feel like I need oxygen at the end, but I'm telling you, it's good to be saved, isn't it? And to have God's joy in your life, and so thankful. Thankful you're here tonight, man, a great group this morning, and just a sweet spirit, and Lord, it's sure good to be back in God's house tonight. Good to see Brother Owen Wood uh, back there, and sure thankful he's doing okay and feeling better, and continue to pray for his foot uh, to heal up, and what a blessing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight and ask God's blessing on our services. I'm going to ask my friend, Brother Joe Quinlan, if you would pray for us tonight. Yes, yes, thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated uh, tonight. I don't have, I, I, well, I guess I got a few announcements uh, tonight. I, 
venture to say most of our parents are very aware of this, but don't forget about we uh, are starting uh, Faith Baptist School uh, tomorrow. Of course, it'll be half days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then full days begin Thursday uh, the 18th, and I believe it's 8.30 in the morning, and so looking forward uh, to that and getting our school uh, going back and, and starting our 50th year as Faith Baptist School, and what a blessing uh, that is. And then, of course, don't forget about this coming Saturday be our church-wide outreach, and that's at 10.30 in the morning. Be meeting over in the fellowship hall and then going out doing some door knocking and some canvassing as well as some visits and things like that. And then uh, next Sunday uh, night after the evening service, there is a teen activity. And so if you have young people uh, in the uh, youth group, make sure that you are aware of that. I believe it's sushi, sushi night. So, mercy. So, all right, as long as they don't have any cats that they're petting or anything like that, we'll be okay. Uh, then next, uh, looking forward to this Wednesday night, but then week from Wednesday, this coming Wednesday night, August the 24th, Brother Eric Watson uh, will be preaching, and then August the 25th, again, if you have, you have kids in this uh, Faith Baptist School, uh, the, it will be parent orientation, and that will be here at the uh, church, and that will start at 6 o'clock uh, in the evening. It will actually be over in the fellowship hall. And then August the 28th, which is on a Sunday, Sunday evening, right after the service, be having a linger longer. And then August the 30th, which is on a Tuesday evening. Ladies, don't forget about the ladies' meetings will be starting back up this year. And so, that again, that's August the 30th on a Tuesday night, be 7 o'clock, and it's soup and salad, uh, ladies. And so make sure that you're aware of that. And then one thing coming up in September that we need to be aware of, and that's the Baptist Men's Recharge and so again, if any of our men or young men want to go, we've opened this up to our teen boys as well. And so if you'd like to go to that, there's a sign-up sheet in the outer uh, foyer. If you are just going to stay in a bunk at camp, it's $70. But if you'd like to stay in a hotel room, uh, the cost uh, is $140. And uh, that kind of uh, uh, allows for two people in a room. But if you get one extra person in there, you can just pay the uh, somebody can fight over who gets to pay the less money, all right? But uh, if you got any questions on that, you can see me after the service or, or something like that. I know several guys have already gotten with me on things like that. But do want to encourage you to go to that. It's a great meeting, men. Boy, I'm telling you, you go there, you get charged up, and uh, it's just a blessing. Something about the preaching of God's Word, amen, and uh, just good stuff. Well, let's go ahead and uh, have another song tonight. So, Brother Eric, you come ahead. Let's turn to page uh, 684. 684, home of the soul. We'll sing all three verses together tonight. If for the prize we have striven, lift it up on the first. If for the prize we have striven, after our labors are o'er, rest to our souls will be given on the eternal shore. Home of the soul, blessed kingdom of light free from all care and where falleth no night oft in the storm we are sighing for thee beautiful home of the ransom beside the crystal sea yes a sweet rest is remaining for the true children of God, where there will be no complaining, never a chastening rod. Home of the soul, blessed kingdom of light, free from all care 
and where falleth no night. Oft in the storm we are sighing for thee. Beautiful home of the ransom beside the crystal sea. Soon the bright homeland adorning, we shall behold the glad dawn. Lean on the Lord till the morning, trust till the night has gone. Home of the soul, blessed kingdom of light, free from all care, and where falleth no night. Oft in the storm we are sighing for thee, beautiful home of the ransom beside the crystal sea. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask for Brother Gentry Gutierrez. Would you pray for the offering tonight, please? Amen.
stuff tonight. Amen. Uh, well, of course, it is that time of the year where school uh, is starting uh, back, and, and so our kids are going to be coming in tomorrow. And uh, I know we had, I was thinking about Andrika coming through this morning, uh, one of the young ladies in our teen class, and excited she started her uh, senior year. And I know we've got some other kids going back to college and local uh, schools and, you know, JUCO and and things like that, but we do have several several of our uh, young people that are going to be traveling uh, this week and going to uh, Heartland, back to Heartland Baptist Bible College uh, there in Oklahoma City. And so if you're a student there at Heartland, would you stand at this time? We, we do want to just recognize you uh, tonight. And uh, I believe we've got one, two, three, and I think we're missing, uh, oh, there's Miss Sophie back there. And I had Haley here this morning, and it was good to see her from Berean Baptist Church there. Uh, in Parsons, uh, Kansas, and so just wanted you to see these young people and and pray uh, for them as they're traveling, and you guys can be seated, but this is their last uh, Sunday uh, here with us, and so just uh, very thankful for them and thankful to see them following uh, God's calling on their life, but just wanted to ask if we could certainly pray for them tonight as they're traveling, many of our other students and uh, that are going to be uh, heading back to school and things like that. And we certainly want uh, God to use them in their lives. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Steve Parker if you'd stand and, and pray for our young people uh, tonight. So. Would you stand with me one last time? Let's turn to page 537. Page 537, Dwelling in Beulah Land. We'll sing verses 1, 3, and 4 this evening. Sing it out on that first verse. Far away the noise of strife upon my ear is falling. Then I know the sins of earth be set on every hand. Doubt and fear and things of earth in vain to me are calling. None of these shall move me from Beulah land. I'm living on the mountain underneath a cloudless sky. I'm drinking at the fountain that never shall run dry. Oh yes, I'm feasting on the manna from a bountiful supply, for I am dwelling in beauty. 
seated tonight. Right before the message tonight, uh, the Wisdom family is going to come and sing a special tonight. Don't ever 
never forget He hasn't failed yet Remember His faithfulness When times get hard and you suffer When the nights are so long and get longer When you're looking up from the bottom You are not forgotten Remember His faithfulness Remember His faithfulness All He was yesterday Today He'll be the same He promises nothing less Though heartache may still can't help but to be faithful because he is faithful amen what a blessing uh tonight sure thankful you're here and uh good stuff tonight well let's all stand in honor of god's word if you're able uh to stand tonight i want to invite you to uh the book of joshua tonight once again and joshua chapter number five and uh i left my eyeballs in my office classic move i forgot my verse this morning and it's COVID brain. I think I got COVID brain. Amen. I'll be all right. We'll, we'll wing it. That was a joke. I, don't, I, I never wing it. All right. It's not, it's not a good start. Joshua chapter number 5. And here's what the Bible says. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel, until we were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them any more, because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives, and circumcise again, the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. And so you understand that there in verse number 2, though it mentions the, the phrase there the second time, it's really talking generationally here. Okay, And so notice what it says in verse 4, and this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males. Even all the men of war died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now, all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as the way that or by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war 
which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord sware that He would not show them the land which the Lord sware unto their fathers that He would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children whom He raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. So that explains everything and what's mentioned there. And notice it says in verse number 8, it came to pass when they had done their circumcising, all done circumcising all the people, that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And this is key right here, and I want you to watch this. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. Now let's keep going here because it says, And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had after they had eaten of the old corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Amen. Father, would you bless the preaching and the reading of your word tonight, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated uh, tonight. Now again, I, I do realize that, you know, with uh, vacation and... and uh, <laughs> excuse me, uh, um, vacation Bible school and then uh, sickness and, and being gone. Uh, we, it's been a while since we've been in the life of Joshua. But if you do remember, we've seen quite a few things already uh, take place. We know this, that in chapter number one, Joshua would be called to step into the place of, of Moses and knowing the difficulty of that responsibility, certainly following the man Moses, God would encourage Joshua, and all down through there, it's just this constant phrase, be of good courage. So thankful that God knows where we're at and encourages us when we need it. And then in chapter number 2, we saw Rahab the harlot, and what a great testimony that is. Listen, your past does not have to define your future. God can rewrite your story, if you will, and, and what a blessing and, and a tremendous testimony that she is. And then in chapters 3 and 4, we saw God confirming Joshua as He did Moses with the parting of the Jordan River. And of course, this is where they set up the memorial stones to remind them of what God had uh, did to get them there. And those, this is what we looked at the last time we were in the life of Joshua. But as already seen tonight, we get into chapter number 5. Uh, we know that Israel now has crossed the Jordan River. They are now in the land, but before they can face their enemies and have victory, I want to say to you tonight, there needs to be some consecration unto the Lord. And that's what this chapter is about. This generation will be circumcised. They will keep the Passover feast. They are declaring that, that Jehovah God is their God. And I'm just saying to you tonight, this will be important to their upcoming victories in the future. Listen, because here's the thing tonight. You cannot have victory without God. You understand, you cannot have spiritual victory tonight without God. 
But here's what I believe is the principle tonight, and that's this, you cannot have God without being consecrated unto Him. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. In fact, I titled the message tonight, Consecration is the Key uh, to Victory. And, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. When I was, when I was pastoring uh, Bible Baptist Church there in Cassville, Missouri, and I believe I've told this testimony before, but we had a young man and his girlfriend that came into our uh, services one time. I can remember, I believe it was on a Wednesday night. Now, you understand that he was this young man had been brought up uh, in the church. His family was in the church at the time. But he had become a well-known drug user in the community, and him and his girlfriend bro- both were addicted uh, to meth. And I, I listen, when they, when they came in, I, I knew who he was, I knew who she was, and I'm, I'm just kind of sharing my heart with you tonight, if you will, but I'm tell, I was glad that they came. I can remember walking right up to them. Listen, they, they needed the gospel, and I, I can remember walking right up to them and, and welcoming, welcoming them to our services, and then I, I did. I asked him, I said, what brings you here uh, tonight? To which he said this, he said, well, preacher, we've, we've tried everything else. And nothing seems to work. And so, and so we thought we would try this and see if it works. <laughs> and what he was talking about was this, trying to come to church, trying to do right, trying to embrace spiritual things in his life, hoping that this would help them overcome their addiction that they were dealing with in their life. Now, you understand, now, now please listen to this, to which I said to him, when he said that to me, this is what I said to him. Well, man, if that's your attitude, then I can tell you right now it's not going to work. Wow, preacher, you're so mean. No, I'm not, I wasn't being mean. You know what I was being? I was being real. Because here's the thing. And I, listen, I, I wasn't being mean to him. I also wasn't saying that the gospel will not work because it most definitely will work. But I, I venture to saying I'm among a group of people tonight that would testify and say, Oh, yes, it worked. I know that it worked in my life. What, what I was saying to him was this, was that his attitude and his approach to spiritual things will make it where it does not work. And by the way, I was exactly right. And I, listen, I, they came to church for about a month or so and went right back to their drugs, their addictions, and their wicked living. Now, now listen, now, now stay with me because... Because on the other hand, I want to say to you tonight, not every story is ended that way. Thankful for that tonight. I, in fact, I can tell you on the other hand, another story of a young lady that we had uh, that came to church, and she had also grown up in the church, and she too had made you know, two or three professions of faith throughout her childhood. But as a teenager, she rebelled against the things of God. She got out of church, got into some very demonic stuff, she struggled with being bipolar and, and, and some other mental issues as consequences of that. Don't look at me tonight and read the New Testament where Jesus cast out demons and think that's not real. That's very real. And, and so you understand, she was dealing with a lot of things. And, and, but as a young adult woman, she finally, she finally humbled herself and, and called on the Lord. And I believe that she was truly uh, saved because as she become, became, began to come back 
uh, the church there at Bible Baptist, we, we watched the changes uh, begin to take place in her life. In fact, she came to me one night and she said, she said Preacher, I, I want to be baptized. And I looked at her and I said, Nope. And you're like, Man, you're mean again. I know. But here's what I, listen, but here's what the reason I said that. Because who's to say this isn't some false profession again? And if, we're, if this is really real, then you'll stick it out and you'll be faithful and then we'll come back and address this later on. And so that, that's exactly what I said to her. I said this. I said, why don't we do this? I said, why don't you come to church for six months? And why don't you be faithful and prove that you're faithful, prove that this is real and that you're serious about the things of God. And then we'll talk about baptism. And you know what she did? She came to church every service for six months. My wife's nodding her head because she knows who I'm talking about. In fact, there were times where she would miss a service. She'd call Natalie and let her know what was going on. Hey, I'm, I'm missing. I'm not doing well tonight, or I'm struggling, or battling, or I got to work. Whatever. And she did. She was there. And I'm listening to this. And to the day, I'm not about to the day, six months, she came into my office and said, Hey, preacher, it's been six months. Can I get baptized now? I said, All right. All. No, I said, Yes, absolutely. And I baptized. And I'm going to tell you something, man, to watch her uh, grow in the Lord after that. And I mean, just be faithful and and serve. And I'm telling you, we watched this young lady develop a walk with God and and got victory over some overcoming her past life, even learned how to deal with some of the, the mental struggles that she was having through prayer. And trusting in the Word of God. You might get, don't look at me tonight like you've got to have a pill for everything. I'm not trying, listen, no, 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 I'm not, I'm, not trying, I'm not trying to tell anybody anything. I'm just simply giving you a testimony tonight of somebody that overcame a tremendous amount of things in her life. Because, and here's, listen, and what I'm trying to get across to you is this. Do you know what the difference was between that young man and that young lady? where this young man would come in and stick around for about a month or so and then walk out and probably say, well, the things of God just didn't work. The gospel didn't work. But yet this other young lady would come in and stick it out and be faithful and get victory in her life. Do you know what the difference was? Because it wasn't that the gospel and the things of God did not work. It was a difference in a heart attitude towards them and it was consecration. That was the difference. She was consecrated and sold out and wanted victory and was willing to be faithful where he was wanting to come in and go, well, let's just try it out and see if it works. If you approach the things of God with that attitude, it will not work. And it's not because the things of God are not true. It's because that's where your heart is at. But when you embrace the things of God wholeheartedly, I'm telling you tonight, God can save you and change you and give you victory, but it starts with an attitude of consecration. And that's the testimony that you and I find in our text tonight from from Israel and and, and Joshua. This, This consecration. And let's, listen, let's remind ourselves of the picture here or the typology or whatever word you want to give to it. Because the promised land that they're now in and, and, begin, and getting ready to go into and get victory, you understand, that's not a picture of salvation. That's a picture of victorious living in Jesus Christ. It's one where we have victory over our enemies, the flesh and the devil and the world. 
Come on, your, your enemies are not lost people out here. That's your mission field. Let's be clear on this tonight. Our enemies are our flesh and the devil and the world, meaning this, the, the philosophies and systems of this wicked, wicked world. And before Joshua and the people of Israel will go on to victory, they first consecrate themselves unto God. And this is what we must do in the New Testament. When you take the things of God seriously, God takes you seriously. I love that statement. When you take the things of God seriously, God takes you seriously. Now, I know some people here tonight are probably going to go, well, you know, preacher, I mean, this is, this is circumcision, and this is the Old Testament, and this covenant that God had with Abraham and Israel, and, and we're in the New Testament, and, and we're part of the Lord's church, and, and so we're, listen, this, this has nothing to do with us. Well, I understand all of that, and the circumcision, really, I, I get all of that, but you must understand that the circumcision and the Passover, those are reflections of a consecrated heart unto God. And you also must understand this. Don't think that this subject of consecration is not in the New Testament or doesn't apply to us because it very much is and it very much does. In fact, you can go to where Jesus said something like this. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness... And all these things shall be added unto you. Oh, come on, that sounds like consecration to me. Uh, Here's another one. You can go to Matthew chapter 7, where I believe Jesus gives really exactly the difference between those two testimonies that I told about uh, earlier. Here's what He said in Matthew 7, in verses 24 through 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, consecrate themselves to it, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. Come on, sounds like victory. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. Uncommitted. Unconsecrated. He says, This shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Here's a guy that, that listened, that just like that young man, that walked right back out of the things of God and lived in defeat. Here's some more. Oh, come on, you know you need some more. Some of you are going, That's still not enough. Even though Jesus said it, I'm not convinced. Here's some more. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Can't forget that part. And I and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. Oh, come on. I mean, listen, it just sounds exactly like what's going on in Joshua, that when they consecrate themselves, the Lord rose their approach away. That's almost, I mean, that's almost, that's exactly the same principles that are right there in 2 Corinthians. Separate yourself unto the Lord. Come out from among them. Consecrate yourself unto me, and I'll be a heavenly father to you. I'll roll their approach away and be your God. Somebody say amen. Uh, here, here's another one, 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you as holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. 
You understand, listen, I, I could sit here all night and give you scripture after scripture throughout the Old Testament, or I'm sorry, the New Testament, because the subject of consecration is all throughout it. Well, why, preacher? Why, why is that continually brought up? Well, here's why, and I want you to listen to this. Because nowhere does God call us to apathy or nominal Christianity or convenient Christianity. Nowhere does He do that. It's always, listen to me, it's always, it's always the principle of consecration that's being brought up. And you know why? Because God knows you need Him to have victory. And if you want Him, you've got to be consecrated unto Him. This consecration subject, it's so terrible. Why? Because it leads to victory. I mean, it's almost like, a little sarcasm here. It's almost like God wants His people to have victory. Because I believe He does. Which is why it's consistently brought up that we would be sold out, consecrated, set apart, and in love with Him, and living for Him, and serving Him, that we would take His Word serious in our lives. Why? Because God wants us to have victory. You understand what consecration means? It, it just simply means this. And I, I'll give you a Webster's 1828 dictionary, but it's just simply this. It, it's the setting apart. It, listen, it is declaring something sacred. And, and you understand, now watch this, words like consecration or consecrate or sacred, that speaks of the seriousness of the act or the dedication of something. I was thinking about when we were on vacation, I bought a brand new pen, rod and reel. Now, if you know what a pen, P-E-N-N, rod and reel is, and you do any fishing, you know, that's pretty serious stuff. That's, yeah, exactly. Because I'm serious about fishing. And I bought, listen, so you understand, I, and I could say it like this. There was no formal ceremony when I walked out of academy. I didn't go, oh, this rod and reel is now dedicated for fishing have any weird dedication ceremony or anything like that. We knew that's what I bought it for. So you know what that means? That means this, that if I caught my son and my nephew out there sword fighting with my new pin rod and reel, I'd have been mad. Or if I catch them in the future doing they will not see the light of the next day. What I'm trying to say to you, listen, and I know, I'm just trying to give you just a, Example, if you would, because really that's the same way it should be in our lives. You understand, if you're saved, you're called to consecrate yourself. Set yourself aside for God. I said for God. Let's not forget the, the great part of this deal. Him. Come on, you're to, set, you're, you're to be set apart, holy, sacred, consecrated. A living sacrifice unto Him. Is anybody getting this? And when you approach the things of God with a serious heart attitude like this, I'm just telling you tonight, it leads to victory. And if you want to know as to whether or not you are consecrated to, to God, uh, unto God and headed toward victory, then, then I would say this, that the things that we find in the life of Israel and Joshua tonight must be in your life as well. Well, what are those two things? Here they are, obedience and worship. 
Those are the signs of a consecrated life. In fact, you can go back and you can read verses 1 through 9. I'm not going to to tonight because I left my glasses in my office. And I was like, I got it though. I might have skipped a few words or lines there, but don't worry about that. It's still a King James Bible. All right. (laughs) But here's the thing. Israel consecrated themselves unto the Lord by being obedient in circumcision. And, And really the reason I don't want to go back through here and read all of these verses is because for the most part, they're self-explanatory. The previous generation under Moses uh, was forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until they died off because of their unbelief. And so therefore, a new generation had come up now that was under Joshua's leadership, and they had not been circumcised. And, and, And one commentator pointed out and said, well, maybe Moses dropped the ball on this, but really I would say this. I would say it had more to do with the generation of unbelief than it did with Moses. They just, listen, you understand that these are kids now that have come up and their parents refused to believe God and wandered in the wilderness and they never circumcised their children and dedicated them unto the Lord. And as already, and as already mentioned, circumcision is part of the covenant God made with Abraham in the book of Genesis. And you can go back and, and study that if you want to, but we would understand. Now watch this. This would be the way that God's people were identified in the Old Testament. Much like the way baptism identifies you in the New Testament. And by the way, circumcision did not save Abraham. No, he said circumcision did not save Abraham. Come on, friend. Abraham, the Bible says this. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And then, so Abraham was saved by faith. And then circumcision would come later on in his life as an obedient act of the faith that he already had in God. It's just like baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. Come on, I'd venture to... Well, preacher, I mean, you know, listen, we know these things. Yeah, but it's still worth saying an amen to. Baptism doesn't save you. Faith in Christ and Christ alone is what saves you. Baptism is an obedient act of the faith that you already have. And like circumcision, it is also an act of consecration. It identifies you as a child of God. It is an outward expression of your faith. It's obedience to the Word of God. And it proclaims that I will live for God. That kind of sounds like consecration to me. And I'm just saying to you, that's exactly what's right here in Joshua chapter number 5 in these verses. Isn't that incredible? Israel shows us here that consecration is more than just lip service. Well, preacher, you know, I'm going to be consecrated unto God. Well, it's a little more than that. Come on, it's, it's more than lip service. It's obedience. It's acting out on the faith that we profess to have. Israel took God at His word with this covenant. They Listen to this. They trusted in God's provision and protection while they did this. Come on, do we have to go back to Genesis and see what, uh, I believe it was Isaac, or, uh, Jacob's sons did when, their, uh, when his daughter Dinah was taken? Well, they were very vulnerable in this situation, yet they acted in faith and trusted God and consecrated themselves. And I just want to, if I could tonight, 
just maybe speak on this response of a consecrated heart. There is, when you have a consecrated heart, there is a desire to obey God's Word and identify with God and His people. That's what Israel wanted to do. They wanted to identify with God, Jehovah God. They wanted to identify with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, even Moses. But also they wanted their enemies to know whose people they were. They wanted them to know who it was that was giving them the victory. It wasn't them. It was God. And again, if I could say it to you like this, that, that, that's what baptism does in the New Testament. It identifies you with Jesus Christ and with the people of Christ, meaning His church. But here's the point, and this is what I want to get to. When a person claims to be saved, but is unwilling to consecrate themselves and follow Christ in baptism, that's an uncommitted heart. That's a heart, listen to this, that's a heart that's going to lead to defeat. There's no commitment. There's no accountability. And pretty soon they find themselves going right back to the old life that really the Scriptures and even Christ could give them victory over. I'm going to tell you something, I, I want you to listen to this. I've seen all kinds of reasons or I've seen all kinds of people have all kinds of reasons as to why they don't want to be baptized. But the truth is, it all revolves around a, 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 a will, unwillingness to be obedient to Christ and to consecrate themselves unto Him. That's what it revolves around. I Listen, I, I remember a, a young lady in, a, in, in the church there in Cassville when I was pastoring there. And, I, and I've told this testimony before. But she was a teenage girl and had come into the church. She had a profession of, of, of salvation. And boy, she just got in and started serving and was in our youth group. And she knew she needed to be baptized. And I knew that she needed to be baptized, but she wouldn't come forward for baptism and didn't want to follow the Lord in baptism. And pretty soon I found out that the reason why was because her grandfather was a Catholic. He was a staunch Catholic. And he utterly despised the fact that his granddaughter was going to an independent, fundamental, devil-hating, mission-minded, King James-only Baptist church. Amen. He hated it. Every time she'd go over to his house, she'd get an earful from him. Well, it got to be around the end of July and August, and our young people, when we were there, were going, they were still doing the youth con and Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. And so she went out there with our young people and our teenagers and Man, I mean, listen, she got an earful of preaching day in and day out. Boy, God just started ringing her bell and worked her over. And they came back and man, uh, Sunday night we had a youth night and our kids got up there and gave testimonies of how God had worked in their life and the service was over and I was out in the back shaking hands and here she come right by and grabbed me and said, Preacher, I got to talk with you. Okay. So we went back in my office and sat down and she said, I've been saved, but I need to get baptized. And I said, yeah, I know. And she said, well, I'm ready. And this is what she said, and I'll never forget this. She said this, she said, preacher, I'm tired of trying to make everybody else happy. Amen. And I want to make him happy. You, you know what that's called? Consecration. I could sit here and tell you testimonies tonight of people that listen, that did whatever they needed to do 
to get to a place where they can get baptized. I've seen couples get married and get their home in order so they get baptized and be part of one of the Lord's churches. Got some testimonies in here tonight of that. I've seen people, I've seen people that had family members that just criticized them and dogged them out. And they said, I really don't care what you think. I care what he thinks. And I'm going to follow the Lord in baptism. And I'm going to go to church. I've seen, listen, I've seen people, I've seen people who were baptized, but then later on in life got saved. And realized that their baptism was unscriptural, because if you got baptized before you got saved, you didn't get baptized, you got wet. But they overcame their fear of what others would think and wanted to do what God required of them. And they came forward before the church and said, this is really my testimony. I'm getting right with God tonight and I'm getting right with the church and I want to get baptized. I'm just telling you, that's consecration. Every one of those, that's consecration. That's saying, I'm taking the things of God seriously. I'm setting myself apart, and I'm following Christ in baptism. And by the way, look at, look at the response. Look at verse number 9, because we will we'll read this again. Notice what it says. It says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you, wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. My pastor used to say this, I don't take anyone's salvation seriously until they are baptized. And again, he wasn't being mean. See, you see where I get my meanness from. No, he wasn't. What he was saying, what he was doing was he was being real. He was actually, really, I believe this, he was dealing with the principle that's here as well as throughout the New Testament, the subject of consecration. Because my friend, if you're not willing to, to, to do this, to follow the Lord in the first step of, of obedience, which is baptism, then you're not consecrated. You're not taking the things of God seriously, the Word of God seriously in being obedient. And you may truly be saved, but I'll tell you this, if you don't continue to follow Christ, you'll go backwards and end up in defeat again. But, if you'll be consecrated unto the Lord and begin to follow Him, God, God does this. God, I'm telling you, God blesses a consecrated heart. God rolled away the reproach of Egypt off them. And this is the idea of God showing mercy and forgiveness towards this new generation as they consecrated themselves unto Him. It pleased Him. It pleased Him. And they sought to identify with God, and God's now saying, I want to identify with them. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty awesome to think that God would say this, I want to identify with you. And these, these, these are my people, they are forgiven, they are restored, they are my people. That's awesome to think about. And the bottom line is this, so God shows much grace towards a consecrated heart. He puts His hand on a nation, a church, or, or even a person that consecrates themselves unto Him. That's grace that's going to lead to victory. Folks, I, I, listen, I, I'm just telling you, listen, I'm, I can, I, 
I can tell you from personal experience how true this principle is. Because I remember when I first got saved. And when I first got saved at the age of 20, I'm just being honest with you tonight, I wasn't really consecrated unto Him like I needed to be. I I really wasn't. And as a result, I'm, I'm just telling you, I struggled. Man, I struggled in, you know, dealing with my old life and getting victory over things. I, I, I just struggled. I, I struggled spiritually in my inward man. There was much chastisement in, in my life because here's why. God wasn't happy with where I was at. It was almost like, if I could say it like this, it was almost like God's hand was, was against me, so to speak. I, I'm just, uh, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. But I was still in my pride and, 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 and still trying to hang on to things. But I'll tell you this, I'm so thankful he didn't give up on me. Yeah. And he kept dealing with me and kept dealing with me. And I remember a service, I remember a service and being in Victory Bible Baptist Church and sitting towards the back like a good Baptist. <laughs> and I, listen, I'm telling you, it was almost like God parked right up next to the pew, ne- next to me. So, oh, preacher, I knew it. See, God sits in the back row too. Yeah, he sat in the back row to get a hold of my heart so I'd move up to the front and get right. Amen? No. No, but he did. I'm telling you, it was like he was sitting right next to me. And man, he was just, I mean, convicting me and dealing with me. And you know what it was all about? It was all about this. You're not taking me serious. You're still dabbling in stuff. And you need to get right with me. And you need to get consecrated. And I can remember the invitation being given. And they didn't, have, they didn't hit the first piano note, son, and I was already down the side and on my face on the altar. And I mean, I was weeping and getting right with God. And what I was doing was this, as I was consecrating myself unto Him, and I gave Him my life. And I'm telling you, there were some things that began to change, some old friends that had to go. There was some stuff in my house that had to go. There was some stuff in my vehicle that had to go. Does anybody get what I'm saying? And I'm telling you, I started cleaning things up and God began to change my my life. The next thing you know, I'm starting to spend more time in the Bible. I'm starting to spend time in prayer. I begin to grow spiritually in my life. I'm having fellowship with God like I've never had uh, since I've been saved. It's almost like this, that whenever I consecrated myself, God said, you know, I'm rolling the reproach away. You want to identify with me? I'm going to identify with you. You want me to be your God and your Heavenly Father? I'll be that. And so I'm telling you, you want to talk about victory? Well, you know, preacher, this old stuff, it don't never work. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Oh, it works. It's just whether or not you want to be consecrated. In fact, it wasn't just obedience. It was worship. And I mean, listen, you, you start there in verse number 10. <laughs> and they, did, they started observing the Passover. The children of Israel encamped in Gilgal. Now you know where the name came from, the Hill of Foreskins. All right, just saying. Essay paper in school. Great stuff. And notice it says, and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month, that even, uh, even in the plains of Jericho, and they did eat of the old corn of the land, and on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. Notice this, and the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn in the land, and neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Wow. 
like circumcision of the Moses generation, I don't believe that Israel had had really kept the Passover either. In fact, I believe it's only recorded in Numbers, and that's one time after it was instituted that they actually kept it. I don't think that they had done it. And, and so, and again, it's most likely due to their unbelief, but now this Joshua generation, they're saying, hey, remember the Passover? Remember what Moses gave us in the law? Let's honor our God. Let's worship Him. And now listen, this Passover, that's a big deal. Well, we, we know that it was instituted in Egypt when God judged the firstborn of every family. However, ever Israel was to take the blood of a spotless lamb, put it on the doorpost, and they would escape the judgment of God. Uh, in the, so you understand, this is why. When God saw the blood, He would pass over them, not executing judgment. And the point is this, is that this too is in the New Testament in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was sacrificed during the Passover. His blood was shed so that we could escape the judgment of God. Somebody say amen. Though we don't have to observe a Passover meal, we do have a Passover. His name is Jesus Christ. But also think about this. There's another ordinance that the Lord gave the church besides baptism. It's the Lord's Supper. And He gave it during a Passover meal. And where baptism is an act of obedience, the Lord's Supper and observing it, listen to this, it's an act of our worship. And again, it doesn't save us, but it does represent what does save us, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. The Lord's Supper is a time of remembrance and memorial. It is an opportunity to praise and thank Him for our salvation. But like baptism, unfortunately, a whole lot of God's people have all kinds of excuses for not participating. And most of them revolve around an unconsecrated heart. Do you know this? The Lord's Supper is a time to reflect on our walk with God. In fact, even 1 Corinthians tells us we better make sure we're right with God before we partake of it. But I know this. There's a lot of God's people who would rather cling to their sin than get right with God so that they can partake of the Lord's Supper. Do you know this? That the Lord's Supper is also a time where God's church is to come together and make sure that we're right with one another. But again, I've seen people rather hold on to grudges and maintain their squabbles with other church members rather than forgive one another and worship the Lord and observe this ordinance. I Listen, I, I've always said this, and I'll say it until the Lord calls us home or or come get comes for us, but I'm, I'm telling you, I will never understand a child of God who doesn't want to observe the Lord's Supper. I don't understand that, I, and I don't want to understand it because you got some serious things going on in your heart and life if you're not willing to to want to get together and with with God's people and worship and praise Him for what He sacrificed so that you could be saved. I, I remember being at Berean Baptist Church and training for the ministry. And something happened during the week of Easter. We weren't able to observe, observe the Lord's Supper. And so Pastor Abel's decided, well, during Christmas time, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And we had scheduled our, our vacation time and to go back to Florida and have Christmas with our family. And when we found that out, we postponed our traveling so that we could observe the Lord's Supper with our church family. It means that much. I said, it means that much. It should mean that much. That we would want to come together and worship our God and praise Him and thank Him. After all, He just gave us life and body and blood for you. Why would you not want to honor Him? 
well, you know, I never forget what so-and-so said to me and I just can't forgive them. Well, here's what God said, neither can I forgive you. Well, you know, preacher, I just got these things in my life right now and, and I'm dealing with that. Well, why don't you get right with God and turn them over to God so that you can worship Him? And notice the response here. Notice what happens. The manna stopped. And they ate of the old corn and the parched corn and the fruit of the land. Now some of you would say, boy, that's a bummer. The manna stopped. Have you ever eaten the same thing for 40 years? And its name means, what is it? Now, I've eaten that a time or two. <laughs> what is it? Then they told me what it was, and I smelt it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm out. You go for it. It's like Susie. You listening to me, young people? Can't wait for manna next Sunday night. <laughs> i never forget, man, we took our daughter Madison for her birthday to see. They brought it out, and I was like, what is it? Then Luke took a bite of it, and I saw his face, and I said, I'm definitely not eating that. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't like eating the same thing in the same week. Much less the same thing every day for 40 years. But you, you think about the corn of the land. Getting to eat the corn of the land, the parched corn, the sweet corn, the silver queen. Mm-hmm. Get some butter on there, sod. A little pepper. Glass of buttermilk. Some of you are like, hurry up and listen to this thing. Let's go eat supper tonight. And the fruit of the land. You, you understand? This is everything. This is... I'm telling you, it's like God saying, this is what I promised you. What, listen, you've worshipped me. You've honored me. And I want to give you a little taste of what I promised you. And it's only going to get gooder Amen. the more you go into the land. Nobody catch that? You, you know what God's saying? God, God's saying this. When you consecrate yourself unto me and you want to obey my word, and you want to worship me and glorify me? I'm going to bless you for that. Amen. You're going to have victory. When you make me preeminent in your life, everybody catching this? When you open up your heart to my word and begin to follow it, when you're willing to humble yourself and get broken, when you're willing to respond on an old-fashioned altar and get some things right with me, that, that's, a, that's a heart that I want to honor, that I want to put my hand on. I, I, want, I want my grace to be on them. Is anybody getting this? Well, what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that both times God shows us that He blesses and honors His people when we're obedient and honor and worship and glorify Him. Amen. And they're going to, listen, they're going to leave here after this consecration and go off 
and get tremendous victory. They're going to meet with Jesus Christ here in just a minute. The captain of the Lord of hosts. He's going to give them the battle plan of all battle plans. Walk around the wall a few times. Okay. I don't think they'd have done that had they not been consecrated. Whatever you say, Lord. Yeah. What about you tonight? So preacher, I, I need victory. I, I need to get that back to that victorious living. Well, yeah, I, I, I know. Me too. But you're not going to have it without God. And you're not going to have God unless you consecrate yourself unto Him. You start obeying Him and worshiping Him and making Him preeminent in your life. Let's all stand tonight.